Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, highlighting the latest construction technology and trends to drive your business forward. Coming up in March of 2020, ConExpo ConAg is North America's largest construction trade show. We bring you expert advice from your favorite brands, startups, and industry peers. And for even more news, sign up for our weekly 365e newsletter at conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. I'm Dusty Weiss, and I'm going to be your host today for Contractor Conversations. Missy Sherber's taking some time off after welcoming a new Dirt Diva to her family. We're sending our very best to Missy and Trevor. And if you haven't yet, make sure you pop on over to her Instagram to tell them congratulations. But while she's away, I'll keep the conversation moving. Every month on Contractor Conversations, we talk to boots-on-the-ground contractors from around the country about their projects, workforce development, technology, and, of course, equipment. This month's guest is Chris Lane, a pipeline and commercial developments contractor out of Clarksburg, West Virginia. He's the vice president of Ronald Lane Incorporated, rising through the ranks to hold that leadership role at the ripe old age of 27. With work sites and equipment yards scattered throughout Appalachia, our LI employs more than 430 West Virginians and Pennsylvanians. But as Chris tells me, their goal isn't to be the biggest, just the most complete pipeline contractor in the region. Uh, but we do pride ourselves in being one of the few uh, turnkey pipeline contractors. You know, we, we specialize in, in doing any type of natural gas pipeline construction from conceptual to operating and flowing gas. We have in-house all the specialty tools and uh, equipment, those skilled people to be able to perform everything from start to finish on a line. With that said, a lot of our clients are you know, major gas companies. You know, it's uh, Dominion or, or MarkWest or Intero or EQT. We worked with a lot of companies over our 40-year history. Another side arm of our business is uh, is commercial development. So along with pipeline construction, we're able to facilitate commercial lots for our clients and, uh, as well as even some of our competition. We work on the header extension with Dominion. Uh, we house uh, facilities for, for proactive as well as EQT and uh, energy transfer. So we, uh, we do a lot of different things for the, the oil and gas and energy industry. I imagine with the market being what it is right now and you working in natural gas pipelines that you've got more than enough work to keep you busy right now. But it says right on your website that you're not trying to be the biggest, you're trying to be the best. What's unique about your business? What separates you from your competition? Uh, a lot of it is that turnkey mentality. You know, we have a gas company looking to you know, install a pipeline here in, in north central West Virginia. You know, they come into the area, they acquire the land, they get everything ready. And uh, whenever they come to us, we can facilitate them with a location for them to have their own staff. You know, we can construct them an office, facilitate a yard for them to store their materials, for them to do any prep plan work on in the early stages of it. And then once the construction of the, the pipeline starts, we've got all the equipment to do all the front end, uh, and all the tree clearing work, uh, all the grubbing. We can roll right into grading the right-of-ways, locating the materials, bringing the materials to the site doing any fabrication off-site or on-site, and we go right on through the full installation process. A lot of other contractors, whether they're big or small, are unable to do one or a series of tasks on a pipeline. A lot of contractors don't do any clearing. A lot of companies don't do their own logistics. And, and it becomes a larger coordinated event when you have a lot of different companies involved. So being a turnkey contractor, you know, we can give our clients single point of contact for all the services they need to complete their project. 
listening to you describe all the different types of work that you do, I imagine that walking through your equipment yard must be like walking around out on the Con Expo show floor, just with all the different types of equipment you must have to have. Yeah. No, in our truck, trailer, and equipment fleet, we have roughly a little over 500 units, uh, and we, we have those units scattered across multiple locations. We fully staff four different locations on a regular basis, but in total, uh, we actually have 13 locations across West Virginia and Pennsylvania. It's a pretty large operation with 431 people on staff, but this is a company that was founded originally by your dad, Ronald Lane. How did you personally get into the business in the first place, and and how has it grown over the years? As far as getting into the business, I didn't really have too many options. Um, (laughs) I wasn't really uh, looking to be a firefighter or a policeman or anything of that nature growing up. I spent my childhood on job sites. I spent my teenage years in the office reviewing contracts and and going over bid documents. spent a lot of my evenings and weekends either you know, working on our family farm or working in the offices. And uh, it's something that looking back, I wasn't really interviewed or or wasn't really, you know, acquired to become a part of the company. I was almost bred to be a part of it. Sounds like you just uh, always were a part of it. And for our entire family, you know, this this company and this business is not really a job. It's a lifestyle, something that we, we live and breathe around the clock. What do you like about working for a family-owned business, and, and what are some of the challenges that it presents? Uh, as far as one of the best things about working with families, you never have to hide your true feelings. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and probably one of the worst things about working for a family business is you never have to hide your true feelings. <laughs> you guys have it out on the job site a few times, huh? <laughs> well, it's, it's refreshing that we can be uh, bluntly honest with each other. There's never really any beating around the bush. Oh, no, we we be honest. We can be to the point. And over the years, we've we've have to learn to compartmentalize the situations we're in. Now we can have a disagreement, you know, at the office, and two hours later meet up and take our families out to dinner and laugh and joke as if nothing happened. So being able to compartmentalize that has been a big key to working together for a, an extended period of time. I imagine that uh, just about every day out on the job site feels a lot like Thanksgiving. It does. Yep. Thanksgiving (laughs) and Christmas. (laughs) Uh, You're a younger guy, 27 years old, younger guy out on the job site and VP of the company. You're probably a lot younger than a lot of the guys on the job site even. Do you find that to be an advantage or a disadvantage sometimes? I see it both ways. You know, fortunately uh, for for a lot of the folks out there that's not aware of my true age, a lot of them misjudge uh, what my age actually is. And I think that's because I wasn't really given the option to have much of a immature childhood. I, I was forced to mature at a, a younger age, and that's carried with me throughout my years. That's been a big asset for me in the field. And as far as being the vice president, the role that I took on here recently, I'm proud to say that you know, I've, I've held most all positions within the company other than Know, payroll or welding or drilling, some of the more you know, specific tasks. But I've been a laborer out in the field. I've been operators. I've been a driver. I've had a lot of different hats. I've been project coordinator. Prior to vice president, I was director of our commercial development, as well as director over our logistics and our maintenance department. But it really helped me throughout the years being in all the different areas, all the different aspects of our company, to really settle into the role I'm in now, and I'm proud to be in this role at my age 
specifically because looking back at our company's history, whenever I became vice president of the company, I was the exact same age my father was when he started the company. Oh, that's really cool. I, I, I've kind of come up where for the first 10 years of my career, I was always the youngest guy in the room too. And, and I was always kind of grateful that I had coworkers and colleagues that never really looked at my age as a drawback. They always just sort of looked at my accomplishments and my experiences and judged me based on that. You find the same thing with the folks you work with? Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's been a big benefit to me that I've been out there and I've been in a lot of the positions that the guys have been in, so I can speak from knowledge about the issues and the, the things they're going through and can constructively find ways to help make their day-to-day easier because I've been in their shoes. You know, from time to time, I still uh, still go out in the field and will help and assist various crews myself, uh, hands-on. So headquartered where you guys are and doing the work you do uh, out in the mountains of West Virginia, out in Clarksburg, you're just down the road from Roanoke. It's hilly country out there. That's got to present your crews with some pretty unique challenges. How do you maintain job site safety in that environment? We've got a lot of different individuals you know, that specialize in safety. In addition to that, uh, aside from our dedicated safety team, I think we're so far one of the only contractors I've heard of that's deployed dedicated safety individuals for line crossings. As dangerous as steep slopes have been, being from this area, you know, our, our management, our, our key personnel, is very familiar with the steep slopes, and they're familiar with them in a way that out west, you know, you have the Rockies, and you have other steep terrain that a lot of companies are, are familiar with, but they are what they, they say they are. They're the Rockies, a lot of rocky soil. The thing that differentiates the Appalachian area from, from other steep parts of the country is its high concentration of clay soil in the ground. So whenever you take steep slopes and have a high concentration of clay, then you get a greasy, slippery slope that whenever it rains, you know, a few hours after rain in the Rockies, you know, that ground will soak up a lot of moisture. Around here when it rains, you know, the ground retains the moisture. You got a slip and slide. Yeah. So a lot of our people is essentially bred for the pipeline industry, and a lot of our management is second and third generation pipeliners, and, and they, they pipeline in this area all their life, so... You know, it really comes second nature to them to contend with this soil. But one of the larger safety concerns that we've recognized and we've put things into motion to help prevent and recognize any issues is having a dedicated hotline or existing line safety coordinator. And then all he does is with all these added pipelines that's, that's going in, it's really hard to lay a pipeline anymore without having to cross one, two, three, or or sometimes a dozen or two dozen lines as you're laying it. Oh, Whenever you're crossing an active line, you know, it's, it's essentially a, a loaded bomb that if you strike it or if you mishandle it, could be catastrophic. So we've created positions within our company to specifically recognize and identify those line crossings and make sure that safety is at its, its top best performance and communication is at top best performance any time that we're, uh, we're crossing those lines. Well, and I'm sure that the folks out in the field are are grateful to have those safety professionals sort of looking over their shoulder, too, while they're out there. Because you paint a a heck of a picture just of those greasy slopes with the rain and the clay and all that. And I imagine that poses some pretty dire equipment challenges as well out in the mountains. Yeah, and the the big thing that we look at is we size our equipment specifically for the terrain that we're in. You know, a lot of companies 
has a standard size dozer and an excavator that they use for 90% of their work. You know, our fleet's a lot more blended. We size specifically for the task as opposed to sizing a machine that is large enough to handle tasks no matter how big or small they are. So sometimes you put a large machine, you know, on a steep slope to do a task a, a small machine can do, then you're, you're required to have a lot more machines to, to be able to tether and anchor it down to make sure it doesn't slide off and result in an injury. Now, working on slopes like that, that also poses some tricky environmental concerns, especially when it comes to runoff, washouts, and the like. I understand RLI has developed its own techniques for handling those as well. Yeah, one of the big things that we've started utilizing here in the last couple of years is environmental material uh, called switchgrass. You know, as opposed to using composite sock previously, uh, we're utilizing a lot of the switchgrass sock, which is about 10% the weight of the composite sock. So when we're out there installing environmental controls as opposed to needing equipment and large machines to come in and handle the material, we will do a lot of it by hand now. And uh, a lot of our guys out in the field are really enjoyed it because there's areas where it's just not accessible by equipment before environmental controls are installed. So they've had to you know, install the heavier pieces in smaller sections and carry them in by hand. Now they can do you know, 10 times the work with less strain and you know, less heavy lifting, and it's allowed for a lot better environmental crews out there. It's allowed us to take care of environmental a lot quicker, and, uh, and the materials have held up uh, really good. We've had very few, uh, if any, environmental concerns across our project. I imagine their backs feel a lot better at the end of a long day, too, lugging those things around. Yep, they do. So tell me a little bit more about uh, your equipment fleet. What's your favorite piece of equipment, and how do you make sure that you keep a diverse enough collection of equipment to serve whatever need comes up on those slopes? It's a tough question there. Um, currently, probably my favorite piece up there would be our tack rig. And uh, how many pieces of equipment in the fleet you have? Uh, roughly around 500. And you store those at uh, lots that you've got all over West Virginia? It's very rare to have all of our pieces in one location. It presents a large logistical task. I imagine that you face a number of other uh, fleet management challenges as well with a fleet that big. So one of the biggest things we have is identification. Whenever you got a lot of machines out there, you know, being able to identify them all properly is always a task. So at, at our corporate office and our, our asset manager's office, uh, I employed a technique that I prefer. We have large boards around the wall of of our office, and uh, we actually have a photograph of each and every, you know, truck, machine, trailer, you know, everything on the wall, and their their corresponding unit number, you know, to that. Uh, we also have corresponding lists with the units and their pictures on them as well, where anybody that's out there can say, well, we're looking at this excavator, you know, here's the unit number, but if something happens and the unit number gets removed, you know, they got there and say, well, we're looking at this excavator, and no, it's, it's, a, it's a John Deere, and here's the size, and our, our asset manager could stand up, look around her wall, and quickly deduce what unit number the machine could be just by looking at the photograph. And then they can pull the, the file of two, three, four, or five machines that would match that description and you know, ask the person in the field some more detailed questions and match up to what that unit number is really helps us keep track of everything. I love it. You guys are kicking it old school there. Have you ever thought about modernizing and, and looking at some of the GPS telematics solutions that are out there for fleet management, or uh, is that just not your style? We utilize a lot of GPS in our, in our over-the-road trucks, but right now, 
Uh, we've not had too many flaws with our current system. Uh, we do utilize Manager Plus. Uh, it was a software system that I'd actually learned about at the at the previous Con Expo, and we've been utilizing it a lot to digitize a lot of our maintenance on our machines and to help our, our technicians in the field have easier access to the current maintenance files. Uh, with all the locations we have and all the different job sites that we have going on, um, it, it would be difficult for us to keep paper copies at all those locations. So having that system and that software is definitely helping us digitize all of our records and making it more available to our personnel in the field. Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about that last trip to Con Expo. Uh, how many times have you been to Con Expo, and what did you find there that you like? Why do you attend? Well, myself, I've been to the last two Con Expos, you know, and I've made a personal goal each time to try to cover all of the floor space. However, I do find myself, you know, two weeks prior to the show, going through and fully reading through all the vendor lists and trying to familiar ourselves with all the vendors out there. And I, I employ my team to do that as well, is to go through and look at all the vendors and, and really find which one of them we feel could offer us, you know, either new technology, upgraded technology to help us improve what we're already working on. And I make a lot of short lists of who I want to see, and I prioritize. So as I'm covering the show floor, I make it a point to see all the vendors, but I also make it a point to employ time management of how much time I, I want to spend with each vendor. A lot of times, just by seeing the, the vendor's website or, or hearing a little bit about them, you, know, you might not think that that's a vendor or a supplier that will be able to provide any value to your company. When you go out there and you see their booth and you can see their product firsthand, you know, it, it sparks new ideas, it sparks new interest on what they could possibly do for your company. So I always found it very important to go out and, and at least, you know, walk by and spend five to 15 minutes at all of the vendors and all the booths there just to be able to see all those products. And Manager Plus is actually a software and a system out there that I had not put on my short list, that I had not, you know, intended on implementing into our company and ultimately when i was out there and, and stopped in and took the time to actually uh, speak to one of their representatives there and, and look through their system it, it sparked an idea and then ultimately here a few years later it's gotten to the point where it, it's making our entire operation more efficient i love that you do your homework ahead of time and actually go into the thing with a battle plan because looking at that show floor i just i feel like there's no way that you can cover everything unless you really go into it with a plan but i imagine that there are other people that put just as much time as you into uh planning out their week or how long do you go for when you go to con expo we typically go out for the entire week i'll go in a few days prior uh, a lot of times you know, we set up meetings and events with uh, our primary vendors that we normally use that's out there in the show and we're able to meet with a lot of our existing vendors in ways that we don't typically do as far as meeting with you know, higher level executives or representatives from other divisions or other markets. On the last Con Expo, it was a unique experience because I rarely take any vacations. You know, typically, I uh, just take a long weekend here and there. My girlfriend at the time was very adamant that I needed a vacation. <laughs> and uh, I agreed to her uh, that instead of flying out to Con Expo, that we'd just drive out. It's a pretty good drive from West Virginia out to Vegas, and it, it took us nearly a week to do it, mainly because when we left, uh, we never had a set itinerary. We never said, well, we're going to drive 10 hours this day and make it to this city. We just left and kind of looped our way out. 
which was the impression that she had had. So did she know that along our course out through there, I was making uh, several appointments with a lot of our key vendors to actually stop and visit uh, their facilities. So oh. on on our journey to, to Con Expo, I was able to see uh, the main you know, parts distribution facility for, for Doosan Bobcat up in Chicago. Uh, I spent some time at John Deere's corporate facility over in Iowa and seen a lot of different locations and, and met with a lot of our vendors on our way out through there. So it was, uh, it was an enjoyable experience because I was able to have follow-ups with those companies at Con Expo to, to help further the experience. It's the uh, Great American Equipment Road Trip there all the way across the country, but I imagine those weren't the sorts of roadside attractions that she was interested in stopping at. It was not, no. <laughs> she, uh, she made the best of it. <laughs> she sounds like a champ. Um, turning back to your uh, uh, business, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing as a business owner right now, and, and how have they changed from 10 years ago? Uh, a lot of it is, is personnel. So last year, we implemented a 401k for the first time in our company's history. Uh, we increased a lot of other employee benefits, but a lot of that's driven because you know, right now, the way the oil and gas industry is, and really the energy industry as a whole, there's a lot of work out there. Uh, there's a lot of demand for good companies, and there's a lot of new startup companies as well. But right now, with simple supply and demand, there's a lot of demand for good contractors. And the supply shortage is is personnel. With the ability of having events like Con Expo and having the amount of, of good suppliers and good vendors out there, tooling and getting geared to do business is a lot easier process than it would be without events like Con Expo. But one of the biggest challenges is always the personnel. If you don't have the people or if you can't acquire the people, then uh, it's challenging to do the work. Yeah, with the unemployment rate what it is lately, it's a good time to be a worker. It pays going up, benefits are going up in uh, a lot of different places. Do you find other tricks of the trade for keeping your employees' spirits up on the job site, stuff that helps their morale? My father's said this to me over and over throughout my life, but if, if you can't make it with good equipment, you know, you're not going to be able to make it with old, bad, or, or junk equipment. So we, we try to keep our fleet modernized. We're always looking for latest technologies and ways to make ourselves more efficient. And we not only find that being an efficient, more modern company is a little bit better for the bottom line, but it, it helps alleviate basic frustrations that our employees would go through. The, the frustration of a machine constantly breaking down or a technician that can't find the right records that he's needing, it, it helps make their day-to-day a lot more pleasant. So looking back at the history of the company, what, what are some of the completed projects that you guys are most proud of? Here recently, uh, we was able to successfully uh, fist and insert 3,800 feet of 30-inch 688 wall into a, a directional drill. Uh, it was a large, coordinated, multi-day event that happened 24 hours and went round the clock. You know, it was the largest directional drill we'd been a part of and some of the larger pipes that we'd been a part of as well. Back several decades ago, we crossed the Potomac River uh, oh, wow. you know, with the line. And that was uh, an interesting project because you know, we actually uh, dug the channel with an excavator sitting in the river. And because of our partnership with John Deere at the time, and really a lot of the people that uh, my father had met out in the previous Con Expos from John Deere, we had a lot of the right contacts where we was able to special order a machine that did not have any fluids 
greases or anything. Now, the turntable wasn't greased. A lot of things was sent dry straight from the factory. And we was able to get environmental approval to put that machine in the Potomac to do that because John Deere worked with us on getting us a dry machine that wasn't going to contaminate the water from the surface there. Doesn't uh, sound so like the job would have got done without having that specialized equipment on hand. Exactly. That was a big assistance to us. Now, we've done a lot of projects in, in the southern part of the state where, where you'd have four or five, six dozers there. Uh, with winch lines tethered off to each other all in line just to hold one excavator on the slope working. We've done a lot of different projects. I think the, the longest project we've done was back in the 90s, and it was around 72 miles. Well, it sounds like you guys uh, are, are finding the work that you need, but then doing great work in the process, too. But looking at the next 10, 20 years, what are your goals for the company? A lot of where we, uh, we see ourselves in the coming years is, is we're going to further our footprint in the energy industry. A lot of our future growth is going to be focused a lot on our commercial development, on our properties, and constructing more buildings and facilities for, for clients for, for long-term contracts, as well as having a, a more steady, uh, stable growth in our, our pipelining division. You know, we've seen that, uh, that the commercial division does not have as many dollars and cents uh, with it as a pipelining division, but it's a lot more stable. And in the last 20 years that we've had our development division, that's helped us bring more stability as an overall business, uh, as opposed to solely relying on pipeline. Now, pipeline work fluctuates, and some years you have big years, and other years you have slow years, but uh, commercial development seems to be a lot more steady. Well, for a guy who doesn't take a lot of vacations, as you've admitted here, when you get up in the morning, the alarm clock starts going off, you strap on your boots, go out and get in the truck, and take a great big deep breath, drive into work. What keeps you going? What do you love about what you do? A big thing for me is, is all of our people. And uh, we have a lot of company events every year and throughout the year. And our most recent one was our annual Christmas party. And it's a big sense of relief and pride to be able to have a large event and to be able to meet a lot of different families and see a lot of different generations, whether it be older generations or younger generations of the people that we work with every day. It, it does provide a sense of pride knowing that what I'm able to accomplish and, and what my team is able to accomplish directly results in the success of the families that are joining us and helping us throughout all of our projects. When you've got and, an organization uh, that's that big spread out over a large area like yours is, I imagine that it's actually just kind of humbling seeing all those folks brought together in one place. It is. It's, um, that's probably the biggest single motivator that I have is not only doing this for my family, but for all the other families that works with us every day. Well, Chris Lane, the VP of Ronald Lane, Inc., pipeline contractor out of Clarksburg, West Virginia. Are you ready for the lightning round? Go right ahead. All right. If you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing for a living? I always have an interest in architecture. Uh, I'd say that would probably be the uh, plan B if I've ever had one, is doing some type of architectural work. So if you weren't tearing stuff up, you'd be building stuff instead. Correct. What was your first job? Oh, my first job uh, was actually as a uh, labor for the company on, on one of our developments. And what age was that? Uh, I was actually 16. Getting out there early, man. How about your first car? What were you driving? My very first car, I'm an avid Ford person. I always preferred Fords, and, and our company's always had a lot of a lot of Fords in our fleet. So, however, my family is a large General Motors family. So my very first car was actually a 72 Chevelle. 
this day, and it is the one and the only General Motors product that I have ever owned and probably ever will own, but it is a first car. If you've got a stray from the Ford Pack, uh, a 72 Chevelle ain't a bad way to go with that. I bet you uh, turned a lot of heads driving around in that as a kid. Yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't nothing special. It you know, had a little small block and an automatic, and it wasn't a hot rod. Wasn't really a fast car, but it was a comfortable cruiser that uh, that I, I was able to have a lot of fun with. So after a long day, what do you do to blow off steam? At the end of the day, most enjoyment I have is interacting with my two daughters. My oldest is three, and my youngest is a year old. I find a lot of enjoyment just interacting with them and, and teaching them things and, and seeing them develop and grow. Seems like they uh, they change so fast. Yeah, it's a good age. I got a 10-month-old myself here, and uh, not only is he a lot of fun to hang out with, but he's too young to talk back to me yet, and I know that's not going to last yep. forever. What's the uh, longest you've ever owned a pair of work boots? Uh, about five months. <laughs> they don't last uh, very long by you, huh? Between being in the field, uh, the field's not uh, not as hard on them as, as much as the, the office is. You know, walking around the concrete and twisting around actually uh, eats out of more than being out in the field. Uh, what's your pump-up music when you're headed to work? What do you like to rock out to? Currently, my, my favorite song's probably uh, Shotgun by George Ezra. Anything really has a has a good beat to it that kind of helps get me up and going because in the past 27 years, I've never took a liking to coffee. I start my days most times caffeine-free in general. So Well, now you're just talking coffee. Greek to me. I, I can't even fathom that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say that it provides me a, a healthy lifestyle, but my diet's probably not where it should be to accurately say that. Well, it's a give and take. Cats or dogs for you? Uh, definitely dogs. What are people always surprised to learn about you? I'd have to say my age. <laughs> yeah, I haven't met you in person, but just talking to you on the phone, you sound a lot older than you are, I'll tell you that. If you could have a beer with any three people, who would they be? Probably one of the, the lead engineers with Ford over their truck division, a New York architect, and um, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Jimmy Puffett really ties that group together, I got to tell you. Last question, then. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It'd have to come from my grandfather. He's given me a lot of advice, and it'd be difficult to pick one. He's always given me a lot of good advice, but the one that always resonates a lot, especially in the growth of our business, is he always used to tell me to never forget that you know, pigs get fat and hogs get butchered. <laughs> That's a good one. My grandfather gave me some advice once, too. He uh, told me, now, Dusty, you know that traffic lights that are timed out for 35 miles an hour are also timed out for 70 miles an hour. Grandpa was uh, a good influence, you'd like to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. that's everything I got for you. Chris Lane, you're the VP of Ronald Lane Incorporated, located out in Clarksburg, West Virginia. If I want to learn more about you or your business, where can I do it? Simplest way, probably just go to our website, rli3.com. Provides all of our contact information, provides a good backstory of our business, and a lot of the services that we uh, we offer. Well, Chris, it's been cool talking. Can't wait to see you out at ConExpo ConAg in uh, 2020. We'll look for you out on the show floor there and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for joining us on ConExpo ConAg Radio. Same here. Have a good day. And that's going to wrap up this edition of ConExpo ConAg Radio. If you like the show and think other people ought to listen too, make sure to subscribe and maybe leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back soon with another great guest. 
Until that time, be sure to visit conexpoconag.com slash subscribe to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. More than 30,000 construction industry pros are already receiving news and insights to move their business forward. Thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.